Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. We're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines. I'm your other host, Will Hines. And uh, we're gonna talk about Amazing Spider-Man's first annual today, Ooh. and that's really exciting. Uh, yes. But if you don't know, this is the podcast where each episode we talk about a issue of the original Spider-Man's comic book run by his original creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. This is some 1960s comic book goodness. Uh, Kevin and I are brothers, and we loved these comics as kids and have continued to love Spider-Man. So this podcast is a chance for us to revisit these amazing old comics. And we thought that, hey, maybe other fans of Spider-Man would like this too. Yeah, and I think they are. We're starting to get more and more mail from you guys. People seem to really love it. A lot of people are revisiting their old comics, uh, or some people are reading them for the first time, which is both the things we wanted to have happen. Yeah, uh, these issues are great. We think they they totally hold up, so we want to hear what you think about them. You know what? Even if you revisit them and you kind of don't like them, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are about that, too. Yeah, if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast and you're like, I hate hate all these comics, (laughs) reading them now, they're terrible, but I'm going to hear it well and just stick with it. (laughs) Even though we're largely positive about them. Yeah, uh, I'd love to hear you. Uh, you're an interesting person. <laughs> yeah, you have a strange personality, and we want to talk to you. Um, uh, also, in the news: I'm sick, uh, or I just was sick. I was sick for like four the, days. It's in the news. It's in the news. If you check your Google News feed, uh, I've been sick for like the last four <laughs> days, so my voice is a little weaker. It makes you sound cool. You sound like '40s detective. I mean, that's a dream. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, Will is not in LA. Yes, I'm in Fiji. Uh, I'm doing an acting thing for a TV show called Wrecked, which is on TBS. And um, so we're further apart uh, than we normally are. So we're really relying on technology. Um, And uh, boy, am I excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's get into it, I guess. So this is Kevin. Um, So this is an annual. So anybody who listens to this podcast is probably familiar with what an annual is. But just in case, what is an annual in the world of comics? Yeah, so um, it's a it's a special. It's generally a special, oversized issue of a normal series uh, that comes out once a year. Um, not every comic does annuals. Uh, they don't even do them as often anymore. But it used to be a relatively regular thing and a chance to like sell a thicker, more expensive comic out to the. Uh, audiences that they're reaching out to. Yeah, and they'd usually be a special story, like your monthly issues would be the regular ongoing narrative, and if there was like multi-issue arcs, that would happen. And the annual usually (laughs) would sort of sit outside of that and be some kind of self-contained, I don't know, like almost a gimmick or something, like like a lot of characters or some special story or something like that, right? Yeah, so like for this Amazing Spider-Man annual, it's a team-up of all of his most sinister villains are teaming up to fight him. So it's the first time he's facing more than one villain, really, not counting the Craven Chameleon team up of issue 15. Yes. Uh, fa- but like famous. When, the, when the Fantastic Four got married, that was an annual, right? Yeah, that was uh, Fantastic Four annual number one. And when Spider-Man got married, I think that was an annual too. Yeah, so they'll do like special events sometimes in them. So so weddings and supervillain team-ups is basically <laughs> all I can think of. Uh, I mean, at a certain point, Marvel tried lots of different things with their annuals. They would do like special storylines that just ran through annuals. DC would do ones that ran through all their annuals. Um, there were I just, times wonder, how, like I just, just wonder how it even happened. Like, is it just like a – is it a magazine thing? Like comics originally were magazines, right? Or I mean they are. But like they were originally done by magazine publishers. And I know that like magazines will have like their annual issue in December or something where they do like, you know – 
Time Magazine will do like a year in review or something like that. Or I subscribe to The Economist because I'm like so smart and stuff like that. Uh, sure. They do like special issues at the end of the year that are like thick summaries of the news and stuff like that. So I wonder if like these magazine publishing houses are like, well, we got to do annuals for our comics. That's what you do with magazines. Yeah, I don't know. It might have, I mean, I think it's just a money grab. Okay. Oh, yeah. That too. This is like more than twice as much as a regular issue. Ha- like about a third of it is just filler. Though mm-hmm. most of this is good content, but I yeah. think like later annuals had less stuff in them. Definitely later Spider-Man annuals would be reprints a lot of times or mm-hmm. have half mm-hmm. reprints in them. Okay. I think it's just okay. a way to make – I don't – this one maybe is just like Spider-Man selling. Let's get another Spider-Man issue on the shelf. Right, right, right. Okay, so that's an annual in general. Uh, this annual, uh, I, it's, it is both ridiculous and yeah. so silly. But I also really did – it worked on me. Seeing all the villains and the great art, it's really fun. I, I love this issue. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like we've been in a really good run of the regular issues, and this is not quite as strong. There's some stuff that's sort of oh, yeah. terrible in it. Yeah. Uh, but Story-wise, it's really The actual silly. idea of the Sinister Six, I loved. Yeah. Um, and, so, you know, uh, Ditko – and just and 40 pages of Ditko art, Steve Ditko, the artist who draws Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man artist. You can't go wrong with that, man. Some of these panels are really good. Yeah, this whole issue – this is jam-packed. There's 72 pages. The main story is like 42 pages or yeah. something in that range. Uh, then there's like two, uh, like two backup features all drawn by Ditko. I mean, this is like one of the best artists in comics – uh, and he inks his own stuff, and just on top of his monthly workload, they're like, do another 43 pages. It's crazy. It's insane. Um, and it's it's really fun, and I, I I do love it. There's some things that I don't like. We'll talk about those in a second. Um, normally, we would talk about what else is going on at the Marvel uh, timeline right now, but it's hard to say with an annual what month this came out in, so I'm not going to do yeah, that. Right. Um, but in Spider-Man news, did you see the Avengers Infinity trailer, Will? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, Spider-Man is uh, obviously in the movie. And the trailer ends uh, with a little uh, – there's a couple Spider-Man moments, but it ends with him and Doctor Strange meeting for the first time, which is a very Ditko-ish moment. That's it. Two Uh, Ditko characters. Doctor Strange meets him and Spider-Man says, hi, I'm Peter Parker. He goes, hi, I'm Doctor Strange. And then uh, Peter Parker responds by saying, oh, we're using our made-up names? Then I'm (laughs) Spider-Man. Uh, which is both funny because Doctor Strange is his real name as well as like sort yeah. of a funny joke. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. But I liked seeing yes, uh, Did- Ditko characters sort of shake hands. Yeah, I mean, I assume that comic fans will know, but Steve Ditko, the artist, created both or co-created, I guess, uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Yeah, those were his two big Marvel creations. Yeah, so that's cool that they're meeting in the movie in the movie world. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. They'll probably kiss. I assume they'll kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, man, I would love it. Yeah. You need more progressive want- gay relationships in the Marvel Universe. I mean, that'd be a real weird one. There's yeah. age differences. I think their personalities are pretty different. But, yeah. you know, they both like science. But they're one both different characters, and I feel like that's going to bring them close. <laughs> hey, do you find yeah, – they talk to each other like, do you find yourself using your hands a lot? <laughs> uh, are you walking into rooms filled with smoke and water all the time? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're going to bond over. I think they're going to they're going to be a good couple. I ship them. Do you find that your drape of your clothes are very meticulously shaded? Uh, but anyway, that's our Spider-Man news for uh, this episode. Okay. okay. Do you want to uh, launch into the sh- issue? Let's do it. Some cover talk. Yeah, let's talk about the cover real quick. Um, I mean, it's pretty uh, standard. It's. it's- I'm going to say this cover is just okay. Yeah. It almost feels like the characters were all drawn separately. Yeah. This is just Spider-Man facing the Sinister Six. Um, although, yeah, yeah. And so and it looks like they're all kind of crammed in there. 
I mean, it's it's more like, hey, buy this issue, you get to see all these cool characters. The cover itself, for my high Steve Ditko standards, not so great. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was too busy drawing 72 pages of the issue <laughs> to really craft a great cover. But it's especially telling when you get to that first splash page, which is so much detail. Yeah, the splash page Looks I love. so cool. Yeah. Did um, it better at splash pages or maybe just Stan Lee, maybe he, maybe we just disagree with what Stan Lee's choice of covers were. Because I think Steve would draw them and Stan Lee had say over what was the cover or not. Yeah. I mean, who knows how much time he had to do the cover? Yeah. It might be the kind of thing you'd bang out. And if covers are like on spinner racks, maybe they were just like, who cares what's on it? Like the title's got to sell it or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, only the title is like sticking up over the the issue that's below it in the rack. Um, okay, but um, it's not it's not a bad cover. It, it's it's just merely okay. So what happens in this comic, Will? All right. So the overall thing here, Kevin, and correct me if I'm wrong, because the story is so weird and at parts bad that I might have it wrong. But the the main thing is that six of Spidey's main villains decide to team up. Doctor Octopus rounds them up because they're like, well, he's like, well, we couldn't defeat him separately, but we almost did. So let's all team up and it should be no problem. That's Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, yeah. And the um, way and, and the way that Dr. Octopus says that he's going to make Spider-Man face them is he'll kidnap Betty Brant because he knows from his own regular adventures that Spidey is protective of Betty Brant. Betty Brant is Peter Parker's girlfriend. Right, because he had kidnapped Betty Brant and her brother and Spider-Man showed up to rescue her. Yeah, so Doc Ock knows that works. Yeah. Unfortunately, Betty Brant happened to be talking to Aunt May, so he also kidnaps Aunt May, which is maybe a really, I think, a really fun part of the issue. Yeah, I love it. Like, so Dr. Octopus gets, without even knowing it, he's capturing Spider-Man's basically maternal, his his mom, essentially. I mean, it's his aunt, but the woman who raised him. Yeah. The most important person in the world to him and his girlfriend. Yep. So we got six great Spidey villains, all with their Ditko visual weirdness. And yeah. emotionally, the two people that Spidey cares most about. Kevin, there's a third twist. Sure. What's that third twist? Spidey loses his powers. Right. Uh, for, so for a while, he's powerless, which I think uh, uh, reminds me of the second movie where he loses his powers uh, with Tobey Maguire, Amazing Spider-Man 2, or just Spider-Man 2, sorry, where he loses his powers temporarily, and then he just gets them back at a certain point. And that's what happens in this issue. Yes. It's so funny. Yeah, like there, there's no reason they come back or they go away, right? I don't know. They don't really serve the story really as far as I can tell. Um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he just he just loses his power. They, they don't even say that it's like stress or something, but it must just be stress. He's like stressed about his life. And so he like – There is one line where he says, I guess I was so – feeling so guilty about Uncle Ben. That's why I lost my powers. Okay, so it's like a psychological thing. But he's always feeling guilty about him. He would lose those powers constantly. Yeah, if guilt affects Spider-Man, that's his kryptonite. If I mean, <laughs> that or that'd be bad kryptonite for him to have because he's guilty every day. Yeah, that'd be like if Superman lost his powers by living in Metropolis. Or, yeah, or if Superman was – like if newspapers made Superman lose his powers. <laughs> right, like News Inc. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- th- There's also another plot line in this uh, story, Will. Um, I'm forgetting it. J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trying to contact Spider-Man. <laughs> um, they visit that storyline so many times. It's so funny, though. So this this is, this annual is very funny. Like there's some – I mean it's funny because some of the story yeah. is so in, insane. But it's also just legit yeah. like very funny. Like the Aunt May and J. Jonah Jameson characters made me laugh for real many times. Aunt May stuff really made me laugh. The Jonah stuff, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> too much for you? Went too far? His character is so all over the place. Sometimes he's like – 
angry and mean, but good at his job. But sometimes he's incompetent. And this, he seems insanely stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. The thing is, like, the villain. He gets an argument with a spider. He does? In this comic. He yells at an actual spider trying to get it to contact Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So, like, yeah, the villains, the villains contact J. Jonah Jameson because as we've said before in this podcast, nobody goes to the mayor. Nobody goes to the chief of police. Whenever anybody in this Spider-Man universe wants something done in New York City, they go to J. Jonah Jameson, publisher of the Daily Bugle and boss of Peter Parker. So the villains go yeah. right to JJJ and they're like, we need you to get a message to Spider-Man. Which works because obviously Spider-Man works for J. Jonah, but nobody knows that. Yeah. Nobody puts it together that that's how it's working. Peter Parker's usually in the office when somebody drops by to get a message to Spider-Man. Yeah. Also, J. Jonah keeps releasing like extras with the, uh, you know, attention Spider-Man. So-and-so challenges you to a fight. He doesn't even need to do that because Peter already knows. Um, There's also one other thing that happens throughout this story. Uh, okay. You have to tell me because I don't remember. He meets every single Marvel character. Yeah, that's right. He he's just in the course of fighting these six heroes, just, six villains. To, yeah, six villains. Yes. Um. I mean, to me, they're heroes. Uh, <laughs> you got to stop siding with Electro. I just they have they have better points of view than the the heroes are being good for no reason. These these villains want bags of money. Um. No. Uh. In addition to meeting the six villains, he'll just like run into Marvel heroes for like no reason, and then they'll just keep going yeah. along their merry way. <laughs> Just constantly. <laughs> uh, on page three, Thor like flies by him for just two panels. They don't interact at all. Yeah. Um, Spidey just uh, observes him. It gives the comic book a chance to put a little caption saying like, hey, you can see this, that hero that just flew by in his own monthly magazine or whatever. I mean, I guess at this point, Spider-Man must be the number one or number two comic they're selling. Right. So they're using him to promote all their other stuff. Yeah. Um, the, be the best cameo is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Who just like... Petey, Petey, Peter is, um, whenever <laughs> he's you, in high school, Liz Allen? <laughs> yeah, me and Liz Allen I've been, have been uh, talking. Um, Peter is in his uh, civilian identity, Peter Parker, in high school, and Flash Thompson, the bully, is giving him the business like always. And then the ghost of Doctor Strange, his ectoplasmic form, just comes strolling on by. <laughs> You're right. Not in a hurry. Like this guy is just like. And flying. also, that form can fly. Yeah, but he's walking. He's turned into his, like, ghost form, and he's just strolling down by a Queens high school. These guys go yeah. to – the heroes go to the outer boroughs all the time in Marvel Comics. Um, so real quick, what happens in the story is Doc Ock breaks out of jail. Yes. Because now he can move his arms even when they're not attached to him. Yeah, they really bury the lead here. He breaks out of jail because – well, they remove his arms from him and the cops are like, there, without your arms, you won't be able to break out, which makes sense. Yeah. But then uh, and it, it's revealed that he can still telepathically control them even when they're – as long as they're somewhat close to him. Yeah. So then he just breaks out because the arms are free to like, you know, open the, the bar cells or whatever. It's almost more powerful if he can send these like robot arms separate from his body. Yeah, if he doesn't need to be in the room, the big weakness is he gets punched. Yeah, he's he's the weak link. He should like put himself in like a steel case and just send commands to his arms because the commands he sends to his arms to break out of jail is just return to your master. And the arms figure everything out. Yeah, the arms are uh, the arms need to know they should just go on their own. They'd be so good at their job. The arms need a little self confidence. If they this is a toxic relationship between Doctor Octopus and his arms. But anyway, he breaks out. He contacts all the other supervillains. They all show up at, I guess, his apartment. <laughs> yeah, they I mean, walk in through the door. <laughs> yeah, Mysterio comes in through the door in a cloud of smoke. 
the first like four pages of this annual or four or five or something like that do do a a good but also funny job of like catching you if you're the reader and you don't know anything about spider-man it goes over like all the information you need you meet every single character in his life it talks about how he got his powers how he had his uncle ben killed and every villain the moment they appear visually demonstrates their power yeah like electro is always shooting bolts everywhere yeah yeah um so and they're all gathering and like he's sandman gathers uh, uh <laughs> and like uh then we Thor and yeah, who are the six? Name the six. Oh, uh, so it's Doctor Octopus, He's Electro, the uh, mm-hmm. Electro, the Vulture, uh, Craven, sure. the Hunter, who just debuted last. Uh, issue but he's already um, one of the big six he's already one of the big six mysterio yep. um sandman is that six did i say all of them um yeah yep uh yeah ock electro craven mysterio vulture and sandman yeah. those that's the sinister six um and, and while they're all gathering that's when spider-man sort of loses his powers he's like on a flagpole he sees Aunt May crying over a photo of like Uncle Ben. Yeah. And he kind of he kind of remembers his comment there is a, sort of hilarious, right? Which one? He, he goes, uh, I guess she's not really over Uncle Ben's death at the hands of that burglar months ago. Yeah, it's such a short period of time. Yeah. I guess she's still not over the person she was married to her whole life who got murdered a few months ago. Like you forget that the emotional backstory of Spider-Man is so crazy. He got his father figure murdered. Yeah. And then and then after that it's a pretty lighthearted comic. <laughs> you know? But that is yeah. definitely like nobody should be nobody over should that. be that that is a permanently traumatic event. And you're and he it, can't he should still be at school and people should still be coming up to him going, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? Yeah, and his high school friends gave him not one day of that. <laughs> no. He went back to school the next day. I mean, that's also just crazy. So, um, yeah, he loses his powers. And so this is actually a really scary sequence. For a moment, he's being Spider-Man, standing on a building, leaping around New York City like always. And then he loses his powers and he's just clinging from one of these flagpoles over Manhattan. That like terrified me. Yeah, and he had to sort of sidle his way up to like the ledge, get to a window, and climb and go in. down the stairs. Uh, meanwhile, the Fantastic Four fly by and plug their magazine. And they, of course, they don't do anything because all these heroes are just zipping by and not stopping. They're all very busy. Um, and then he sort of doesn't know whether to be happy or sad that he's lost he's his. Got power. his wish, right? He's not. He's like, I wish I wasn't Spider Man anymore. And so the universe is like, okay, you're not Spider Man. Um, and then Doc Ock, meanwhile, is telling his plan to all the Great villains. Plan. Tell this plan. I love what the plan is. So the plan is just they'll each take turns fighting Spider-Man. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll determine by drawing cards out of a hat what order they go in. And they all are cool with that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it looks like Supervillain uh, Game Night. <laughs> yeah. They're also getting their uh, Pictionary categories <laughs> on those cards. The cards are sort of mis- confusing too because there's like moments where he goes, draw and that'll be your order. I also wrote on the card where you'll fight. Yeah. And it's set up pers- perfectly for you, which doesn't make sense because it's randomly drawn. Yeah. And then later on, Electro goes, I chose where I'd fight you. So I don't really know. I mean, I think the details of the. I think are, if this you, annual was done in a hurry in some fashion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, but the, the part of the plan that is sort of smart is that Dr. Octopus gets Betty Brandt. Like that is a way to really. Right. Get can get make Spider-Man do what you want, and he and but yeah, but before he gets Betty Brant, Aunt May is sad or sees that Peter Parker is sad. Peter's sad because he's lost his powers. Yes, and so she thinks Betty Brant has done something to make him sad. She blames the woman. Yeah, so she goes to talk to Betty Brant to see what's up because Peter's not sharing it with her, and that's why she's with Betty when Betty gets kidnapped. Um, 
yeah, uh, he, it, for a moment, she's almost really smart. You know, she's like, oh, I wish he would confide in me. Old people know more than what he trusts. But then for the rest of the issue, she is completely daft in a great way. Yeah. Oh, there's, another- there's a moment where she, she can tell something else is going on, but then she becomes the dumbest person in the world. In such a funny way. But before we get to that, I wanted to say like, so the villains go to, um, oh no, w- when Betty Brandt is kidnapped with Aunt May, right? It's Sandman and Electro who, like, drive up in a car. Electro in his full supervillain costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's electric... But Sandman uh, is kind of incognito. He's got, like, a trench coat and a hat. He looks like an everyday guy. But Electro just shows up with this big lightning bolt mask in a car <laughs> and, um, and, gets, and gets Betty and Aunt to go in the car. J. Jonah Jameson spots this from way up in his office. He's, like, 10 floors up or something. He leans out the window and he... He IDs spy, uh, Sandman and Electro just just on sight. Yeah, and I mean Electro while wearing the mask isn't a car. Yeah, and like, like he's standing on the top of it shooting lightning bolts. And he also knows who Aunt May is. He's like, hey, that's Betty Brandon's and Peter Parker's aunt. Like for a moment, he's like the smartest Sherlock Holmes level newspaper editor that I'd ever expected him to be. Yeah, I mean that's the guy who could scoop you know the New York Times. That's the, yeah, that's the reporter who took over New York City. Uh, but. Uh, he can't stop anything. He just screams out, stop, come back. But it's too late. Aunt May and Betty Brandt have been kidnapped. Um, uh, yeah. And and Aunt May is taken to Dr. Octopus and is immediately charmed by him. That is such a funny move. Like, Yeah. That, and Doc Ock is immediately very flattering to her. He's a good host. We didn't – Doc Ock he was is mean to Betty when he met Betty the first time. And he seems to genuinely like Aunt May. It's just such a funny decision that he's like – gracious to them oh and i love this i love this line here like when dr octopus oh yeah like as soon as he lays eyes on aunt may he's like who is this charming lady with you and then she's like a doctor how nice such a charming soft-spoken gentleman and then when betty's like you haven't heard of she's ignoring like the flying man who jumped out the window and the giant metal arms coming off of his chest betty brandt is like you mean you haven't heard of him don't let his looks deceive you miss parker and then aunt may goes now now dear you mustn't be prejudiced against the poor man just because he seems to have some trouble with his arms yeah, she's sort of like decided he's got some sort of uh, uh, disability or something. Yeah, yeah, that re- that requires him to need four metal arms. It's like a guy who's missing a hand and there's a hook there. He's got four sentient arms <laughs> that he's controlling yeah. with telepathy. And he's oh, in but, a room with again a guy dressed as a vulture. Yeah, Aunt May doesn't even notice it. Later in this comic, when Doctor Octopus is like pouring tea for Aunt May, it is, I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a very polite to Aunt May and that's, uh, you know, a good sign, a good side of Dr. Octopus. It doesn't get appreciated. I mean, he's power hungry. He slaps people a lot. He likes to open hand slap people. Um, and he got Betty Brandt's brother killed, but he does have manners for women of his own age. I mean, older than him, I would think, but I, I guess I don't know. Yeah. Older than him, but I don't know. He ain't no spring chicken. <laughs> um, okay. So the villain's. This is so funny to me how they say to each other, we couldn't beat him on our own. So let's team up the plan. We'll each fight him on our own. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But what that means is we get six very cool standoffs and we get, and uh, Steve Ditko does like, as Spidey fights his way through each villain, one panel of the fight is a full page, like poster sized Spidey versus that villain. So you get kind of six cool huge portraits of Spidey versus the villain, which is, I think, like, the main best yeah. part of it. Like, six, like, yeah. splash pages, yeah, and they're great. great. They're, they're that's basically the star of the show here in this in this annual. Yeah. Um, 
And so basically after a few more superhero cameos from like the X-Men and Ant-Man and who are giant man, sorry, he goes to face Electro and he has no power. Oh, yeah, he's going, time. he's just saying me like, well, I have to man up because these people I love are in danger. If I'm going to go down, I might as well go out like a man. So he puts on his costume and walks to this electrical plant, scurries under a fence that he normally would leap over. And then, I mean, that's, it's insanely brave because without his spider powers, Electro will kill him, right? Yeah, he's dead um, man. And he, he should die at the end of page 13. Yep. He should just be dead right there. But then what happens? They, they went away for back. no reason. They're back. Like uh, the fright of the electric bolt heading at him like spurs his reflexes back. He realizes he never lost his powers. And now he's full Spider-Man again and goes to fight Electro. Yeah, and this is probably the longest of the fights uh, with the, at least the first five villains. Doc and Ox I want to say the, splash, the splash page of Spidey uh, versus Electro, that's the best one of the six, I think. It is. Oof, I mean, there's is no good? question. It's like maybe one of the best Ditko panels of the entire Spider-Man run. It's like so good. Yeah. I think I posted a black and white version of this on our Instagram right before we started and the I, When you did that, I was like, ooh, it's a good choice. Cause, and if you like just Google Spider-Man Ditko, this panel will come up. Like it's like reprinted a lot and like shown. It's just like it's a really great drawing. Yeah. And it's just a picture of Spider-Man punching Electro. But there's electric bolts flying. Spider-Man himself seems to be being fried yeah, do, a little bit. Ditko's got a good – It's, it's, it's yeah. a good impact. The punch is just He's also there. inked Spider-Man, interestingly, like the illumination from the bolts is putting weird shadows on Spidey's costume, and Ditko was careful about drawing those. It looks real cool, yo. Yeah, it makes yo. Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great panel, there's no question. But one punch and electro's out. Um Yep. The fights themselves have to go quick because we gotta get six of them in, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, Iron Man shows up to pick up Electro. Yeah, he's just the, uh, meanwhile, you know, Jonah's calling the Fantastic Four for the second time in the issue. The villains have ordered him to get a message to Spider-Man, so he's 100% focused on that task. I forgot about yeah. how this, he talked to the spider. At one point, there's a spider dangling in his window, and he's like, is this spider bringing me a message from Spider-Man? It's actually not that crazy a thought. Not in the uh, world of uh, Marvel Comics, because yeah, Ant-Man Ant talks to ants. ants. And Jonah yeah, even so mentions like, that. Eh, it's not that crazy. Give it a shot. But the uh, the the yeah the uh, visual of J. Jonah Jameson barking orders at a spider is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but after Electro, Spider-Man goes to fight Craven. Yep. Um, do, do, none of these villains really give him any trouble, right? Like one at a time, he kind of just like punches his punches him out in like two pages. No, I mean, uh, it, some of these go real, real fast. Like, uh, like this, yeah, this lecture, this Craven fight is like two pages in, and he's basically like, "You had your best shot, Craven." They, they each kind of like yeah, show. Like Electro's in an electric plant. Craven's in Central Park with his animals. It's kind of just like, hey, if you've never read any other Spidey comic, here's a here's a parade of villains with their main like modus operandi. Oh, you know what? You know, I mean, after one, this, the Vulture is a really good one. Uh, it sort of is and sort of isn't. We'll get to like, let's get do them okay. in order. But so Craven, um, Craven's part like of it I tigers really and to, yes. Craven's cheetahs are like tackling Spider Man, but he kind of just handles them and yeah, he pushes them aside and like oh, here's an interesting. Craven. Yeah, he just like, he handles it pretty fast. But when the Human Torch comes by and offers his help, isn't this the craziest part of the issue? I don't know if it's the craziest part. <laughs> There's so many crazy parts. But yes, it is. Uh, they, they fight. He fights Human Torch instantly. And then Human Torch finally gets Spidey to stop fighting. And is like, hey, I, I just saw that you're in trouble and thought maybe I could help. And it's like, yeah, take the Human Torch's help, right? Yeah. Uh, but he says, he says no. no. Uh, because it's too personal. It's got to be just him. But I would think that's a good reason to get help. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, they're not good friends yet. But still, I mean, you'd think you'd take one-fourth of the greatest superhero team in the city the with you. made of fire and has control of it. Like, I, I would say, yeah, you might be able to help. I mean, I would take the wasp with me with me if she offered. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not fussy. 
someone with superpowers? Yeah, I'll take, come along. I'll take Willie the Mailman from the Baxter building. I mean, he ran into Iron Man after fighting Electro. He didn't say, hey, there's five other villains around the city. Yeah, give me a hand. He was just sort of like, no, he didn't do that. So but I think this was just sort of an excuse to have him fight the Human Torch because that's, in a way, one of his villains. Yeah, just cool drawings of the Human Torch and Spidey, like, kind of scrapping for a little bit. Okay, so he handles Craven. He says no to the Human Torch's offer for help. We see Dr. Octopus pouring some tea for Aunt May. She's having a lovely time. And then Spidey. Yeah, he thinks he's a charming gentleman. Then then Spidey stumbles on, we think, the X-Men. So we see a little bit of then the old, like, blue and yellow X-Men. Right, right. Well, at this time, current. So it's like Angel and Cyclops and uh, Iceman and stuff. So... So he starts fighting them, but every time he punches one of them, they kind of explode into bits He's of metal. Like, and he puts it together that they're robots. And who built these robots, Kevin? Uh, none other than his greatest villain of all, Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. Who's like misusing his abilities. If he can make robots that convincing, go into robotics. In 1964, you will be at the top of your field. Um, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he uses it to fight Spider-Man who smashes through a fake wall and punches him in the yep, face. Despite his like smoke cloud stuff. So he gets rid of Mysterio. We cut... Jonah Jameson has his little episode of barking at a spider here, uh, and then Spider goes on to his next villain, who is the Sandman. Right, and the Sandman has a trap where the Sandman sort of traps him in a box so that he can't get away, so Sandman has a chance to, like, really beat him. But this backfires on him because Sandman accidentally makes it airtight, and he runs out of oxygen. (laughs) Yeah, so the Sandman beat the Sandman. (laughs) I mean, like, it doesn't need to be airtight to stop Spider-Man. It needs to be airtight to stop the Sandman, like... He's the one who can go out of <laughs> yeah. cracks. Like he needs those little crevices in the in the seams so he can like get the heck out of there if Spidey's winning. I mean, it was a poor decision, but Sandman is not a mechanical genius. No, he's, it's amazing enough that he, I guess, built this box or at least got Doc Ock to help him do it. Yeah, Doc Ock probably he and Doc Ock probably teamed up together to make this metal box. Um, at this point, Jonah realizes that. Uh, these fights are going on and all the other newspapers are printing uh, extra editions detailing about these Spider-Man fights. But he's been too busy talking to spiders to release a new issue of his paper. Um, yeah, that's... So Joan is ruined. He's been scooped. Yeah, it's the best. I love J. Jonah Jameson being brought low. Um, meanwhile, um, Spidey goes on to fight the Vulture. That's right. He's four villains in, right? He's gotten... <laughs> Electro, Craven, Mysterio, yeah, this is the fourth. Sandman. So this is number five, the Vulture. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's the second to last. This is before Doc yep, Ock, yep. I guess. And Vulture says, take off your web shoes. And he does. Basically, he's trying to get these villains to tell him where Betty Brant and Aunt May are. And Vulture's like, I won't tell you unless you take off your web shooters. And so he does it. Yeah. So now he has to fight Vulture without web shooters. Now, that's a dumb reason, but it is kind of fun to see Spidey fight without the web shooters, I think. Yeah, I think it's a very fun thing. But then the Vulture's first move is to pull out a rope. <laughs> like, the thing about web shooters is Spider-Man always, like, webs his ankles. Yes. And then gets in close and punches him. So taking away his web shooters is very smart. But then don't give Spider-Man a rope. Take off your web shooters, and now I will tie a strand of fabric from my leg to you. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't get what the problem was. It wasn't the web shooters. It's Spider-Man can reach you. Unlike your web, this is not sticky, so I will be able to defeat you. Oh, oops, I'm beaten. Yeah, Yeah, so I love the idea of how would Spider-Man fight him with web shooters. I really thought to myself while reading this, I don't know how he's going to win this fight. And then a lasso was pulled out. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I guess using the lasso. So he tries to lasso Spider-Man. Spider-Man takes the lasso from him and lassos the vulture. Puts his web shooters on and webs him up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, vulture gets beaten. And now we have, we have one uh, villain left, Dr. Octopus. Yeah. 
The big one. Yeah. I, I like all these visits with Aunt May and Betty Brant where uh, Doc Ock is taking care of Aunt May because Betty Brant is always looking at Aunt May just in in shock. Yeah. Like it, when Doc Betty Ock Brant is, is constantly looking at Aunt May going, I can't believe you're enjoying this. Uh, yeah, um, Doc Ock leaves them in a room to go fight Spider-Man and says, don't worry, Miss Brandt, I'll be back. And Betty's like, Mrs. Parker, what do you suppose he meant by that? And Aunt May's like, I don't know, my dear, but doesn't he have the most charming manners? He's so well-spoken. <laughs> yeah, she's just really taken by this man. She's pretty chill. I mean, she she might, maybe this is where Peter gets his courage from, you know? <laughs> I mean... Aunt May's not a blood relative, so I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Um, he definitely... Spider-Man's not as relaxed as Aunt May ever. <laughs> she, I wish she got the powers. <laughs> she would have been great. She would have, she would have just swung throughout Manhattan making sure people were warm and eating enough wheat cakes. <laughs> um, but anyway, at this point, Spider-Man has uh, – Dr. Octopus. Uh, uh, has reached a castle that is, uh, um, I guess, somewhere in New York. There's a castle in Central Park. I don't know if it's that one though, but it, it might be. Oh, no, no. It's um, – yeah, it's outside of New York or something like that. Oh, no, just a few hundred say. yards away from the cityscape that, oh, well, who knows? Yeah, so somewhere there's a castle, and uh, it's a huge castle, and that's where Doc Ock is. So Spider-Man infiltrates it to fight Doc Ock. But now Doc Ock has a weapon on his side, which is that his arms don't have to be attached to him, so they can, like, move around like a robot just chasing Spidey. Yeah, um, and so, you know, Spider-Man is basically just trying to get away from the arms to punch the old man in front of him. Yeah. Um, but he, the arms do hold him up. They foil him. He kind of runs away. He says, forget this. I'm just going to go find Betty and Aunt May and save them because that, that's all I really care about. Yeah. But then Doc Ock has the plan to somehow make Spider-Man fall into a giant uh, fishbowl. Yeah, it starts to look like a Batman comic from the 1950s. Like Spidey is just swimming around a giant fishbowl and Doc Ock puts on a scuba gear with his arms. And also and go- his arms are ripped. Doc Ock? Doc Ock. Goes sleeveless and he's got muscles. <laughs> yeah, he's totally jacked. <laughs> he's never looked strong before until that moment. He always looks like kind of a pudgy middle-aged dude. He rips off the sleeves into the scuba gear and he looks like like Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's impressive. But I, mean, I, love- could, I don't think Aunt May could do uh, much better. Um, maybe Aunt May saw something we didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, so Doc Ock goes plunging into the fishbowl. So I guess the idea is that he's going to fight him in the way that uh, – as if he were a regular octopus underwater, right? It's like his yeah, name is Dr. Octopus, yeah. so he's going to be underwater, like kind of fitting for his name or something. Yeah, and probably just also like a different visual fight than the previous fights. Ditko loves drawing fluids. Like he basically loves water and smoke. So I'm sure he couldn't wait to get Doc Ock and Spidey underwater just so he could draw stuff like there. It's a pretty cool looking fight. Yeah, it's a good fight. Uh, Spider-Man has to like release all his webbing into the water to sort of cloud it up so that Doc Ock gets tangled up in webbing so that he can get away. So he defeats him, that he saves Betty and Aunt May. Aunt May doesn't like Spider-Man. No, immediately hates Spider-Man. What a perfectly ghastly outfit. He's so villainous looking. Not at all pleasant as that well-mannered Dr. Octopus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I'm sure Dr. Octopus would have never entered that way without knocking because Spider-Man barged in to save him. <laughs> but I think the funniest battle is the very next one. Spidey's oh, like, well, yeah. I'll be leaving now. I sent a message to the police before I arrive. They should be here any minute. And Betty Brant goes, just think, Mrs. Parker, we're safe. And she goes, I'm afraid I don't understand any of this. 
which is true. It's the smartest thing she said. I don't understand any of. She never knew they were captured. She she just goes into Manhattan to talk to Betty to see what's wrong with Peter, and she's been held up in an apartment for a while. A man a with wings is flown in and out. Yeah, she got brought to a castle. <laughs> a dude with an electric bolt lightning face drove her to a castle. I mean, her saying "I'm afraid I don't understand any of this" is so funny. Yeah. Um, they all go home. They all enjoy some uh, cookies and milk. Aunt May complains about missing the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> um, and uh, the villains all get thrown into jail together. In their costumes. In costume, yeah. Except, except for the ones that have powers. I mean, um, the arms are gone and the wings are gone, but they're still in their costumes. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's a pretty fun story. Yeah, it's fun. Um, all the cameos really wore me down. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a really gimmicky issue. The superhero cameos wore me down, uh, but the Aunt May stuff did make me laugh. Um, and even Spider-Man remarks at some point, like, if you guys had all fought me together, you might have beaten me, but your egos wouldn't allow it. And that's At least they call out the fact. Yeah, they um, give some thin justification for why they wanted to fight him on their own. And there's definitely some dialogue from Stan Lee where he's sort of touting how great a story this is, which I don't think it's as great as he thinks it is, but... <laughs> So um, what do we? T- so after the story, there's a lot of like extra features in this annual. Yeah. Uh, at first, there's like a pinup um, of each of the villains he's faced, including the one who killed Uncle Ben. It's just called the burglar. Yeah, that's right. Like the unnamed man. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It starts with the burglar, the chameleon, all the ones we saw in this story: the Tinkerer, uh, Doctor Doom, the Lizard, the Living Brain, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Enforcers. Uh, the big man is sort of a sub feature of the Enforcers page, and then the Green Goblin also yeah. shows up. He's probably the biggest one that wasn't in this story. Yeah. It's it's funny that they had Craven and not him. But I guess they just counted the pages and like, oh, we can't get seven in there. I say take out Mysterio and put in the goblin. And maybe they just honestly didn't see that they were like the goblin had did maybe they had more plans for him at that point and like didn't see him as yeah. sort of an underling under Doc Ock. Um after the sort of pinups of all the villains, we have some sort of like we have these like these marble things that happen, which is like the sort of like how-to panels or like the breakdowns of the mechanics of how things work for their characters. Like it's called, it's called the secrets of Spider-Man basically. Yeah. And it's like just going into details about his costumes and his powers. Some of it seems in response to reader mail. Some of it just seems for fun. Yeah. I used to love stuff like this when they would, when they, sometimes they would get like very technical. They would show like how much Spidey could lift versus the thing versus the Hulk, right. like distinguishing their strength levels from each other. That kind of stuff I always really dug. Yeah. Uh, and here they sort of talk about some of that stuff. They talk about that he is – there's only Thor, Hulk, and Thing are stronger than him in the current Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, you know, no shame in being weaker than those three guys. Yep. Yeah, things like that where they really quantify it and they really make these specific rules. I really And all the it. art of just like him showing him how high he can jump and what he can cling to looks great. There's a page of him sort of flipping around the city, which is really cool. Yep. Uh, then it goes over like his accessories and stuff, yeah. right? Like his web shooters and his Which belt. they do every few issues, but it's still fun to see that here. It's just showing the web shooters, the belt, the different types of webbing he can shoot out. And then they sort of show what he can do with his web. And this panel has always stuck out to me with this page. The Fantastic Four yeah. one? They compare his webbing. Yeah, they, they do a weird before. thing. Like they basically say that the, yeah, the webbing is sort of like gives him powers, kind of like the Fantastic Four, because it could be strong like the Thing, it can resist flame, it can stretch like Mister Fantastic, and it vanishes eventually, like the Invisible yeah. Woman. Which I think is a fun way to talk about it. Yep. And then it shows all the different ways he uses his webs, like as a shield or a parachute or a raft 
or a yeah. weapon or glue. But it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him make a raft out of it, but uh, uh, he definitely could. He might have done it in the swamp against the lizard. Oh, here's the thing that bothered me in the issue because we're getting to the page where they talk about his spider sense. Oh, yeah, that, I know what you're going to say. Real wacky in that in that story, right? Didn't he like he used it to decode something? Oh yeah, right. He used it to like read a piece of paper. <laughs> That like the letter had like faded, and he used his spider sense to read it better. I was like, yeah, I don't it, think that's a use of his power. Stanley will go to the spider sense when he just needs to have something happen, and there's just no good reason. He'll be like, "Well, my spider sense can like make change, yeah, or whatever." And but like, in that same story, they talk about a spider sense and just talk about it like a sort of a as a danger sense or an instinct about something unpredictable around him. Um, but whatever, spider sense is cool. Uh, yeah, and so then we go over to the secrets of his mask and his costume. Like we see that you know he's got eye holes to see out of, even though even though we can't see his eyes. Right. And his belt with the extra web fluid packets and the little spidey light bat signal thing that he's got. Yep. And then we've got a pinup of Jonah and Betty. Yeah. Peter Parker's favorite heel and heartthrob. Uh, then a pinup of Spider-Man himself. A, a pinup of all his classmates. A breakdown of his house. That's pretty strange. Yeah, because he doesn't. I think because they would do that for the Baxter Building and the Fantastic Four, their their headquarters. So it's which makes sense because the Baxter Building has all kinds of like cool gimmicks and rooms in it. But this is just a house in Forest Queen. It's basically like a realtor listing. Yeah, it's like here's where the kitchen is. Uh, <laughs> here's the bathroom. That's basically it. Schools are close by. Yeah. Uh, we have a guest star is three blocks west to this Queens Forest Hills house. There was one panel in the annual where he's like swinging home and he's swinging so high above his house and it's like there's nothing for that web to be attached to. Yeah, every once in a while they let that go. That bugs me. Uh, it doesn't bug me when Ditko does it, but when I read modern comics and he's swinging too high, it bothers me. I think good artists yeah. think about that a little bit more. Okay, we have a guest star page where Spidey is drawn with the Fantastic Four and the Hulk. Yeah. And then the, the sort comic of ends with really sort of negged by Stan Lee. Um just sort of yeah, like, what's the panel? The, the guest star page. It says, like, our five guest stars are drawn in that somewhat different Ditko style. Yeah, basically saying, like, you're used to seeing Jack Kirby draw these guys, but now Steve's doing it his stupid way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I love the way he draws the Hulk. I love Ditko's Hulk. Yeah, me too. Uh, but then we have this great feature at the end, right? Yeah, this three-page feature called How Stan Lee and Steve Ditko Create Spider-Man. Yeah, all the secrets are revealed here, Well. Yeah, we know we know how to do it. Stan comes up with an idea, bosses Steve around, he does all the work, and then Stan thinks of another idea. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know Ditko drew this, uh, so Ditko's in on the joke that Stanley is a glory hound, I guess. Yeah, and Stanley's definitely in on it because Stanley writes dialogue like uh, he wrote a line that where Ditko says, "I do the drawing while you practice signing your name all over." Yeah, like they, um, there's a lot of truth in the things that would become real fights later are sort of like just kiddingly said here. Yeah. It's kind of like Mad Magazine, you know, like when they were like, you know, this issue brought to you by the usual gang of idiots and stuff like that. Or, and Mad Magazine would always make fun of itself as throughout the issue. Yeah. Like Stan's, Stan's got a little bit of that, like portraying himself as a glory hound and yeah. it just shows him and Ditko fighting the whole time. And I think, Lee, you know, obviously Stanley is fun. I wonder yeah. how much Ditko's okay with the parts that make fun of Ditko, but... Do they make fun of Ditko? Only a little bit. Uh, like, basically, I mean, I guess it's just they, they, the characters insult each other. Yeah, they're just mad at each other. Looks, looks like you're learning to draw with your eyes shut. You should talk after that corny script you wrote. What do you mean corny? I copied it from one of the best classics I could find. Yeah, I mean, like, Stanley sort of insults himself throughout this. 
it's hard to imagine they didn't get along when you read something like this because it's just like Stanley seems to know his faults. Yeah. But um, they definitely did not get along. <laughs> yeah. Although I think that was really more over money. You know, Ditko just saw how much money Marvel Comics was making and knew that he was just getting a page rate. Like that had to be infuriating. Yeah. Um, um, that's the story. That's a lot. We rushed through a lot of it because it's just it's so long. I think it's a fun read. It's silly, but it's fun. Um, Kevin, what other segments do we have? <coughs> uh, we can do awards. Uh, let's. Oh yeah, let's do. It. We got to do our awards. Yeah, uh, I think we both have the same favorite panel. Yeah, let's just let's 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 not make ourselves pick a different one. We know what the best panel in this issue is, and it's the Electro versus Spidey panel. Oh, I was gonna say Aunt May. No, <laughs> yes, the Electro Spider Man panel. Um, uh, yeah, the Spider-Man punching Electro, that's the best panel in there. There's no question. Uh, what's your highlight? My highlight is going to be, I guess, Dr. Octopus being taken with Aunt May is the highlight for me because it was so funny and such a surprise. Yeah, um, and that is a great, that is a great highlight. Uh, <laughs> I would probably, uh, that I definitely would consider that. I guess, I guess this, this, this splash pages, that might be a little bit of a cop out, but I'm just saying like, that you get six splash pages. Oh, that's one a legit highlight. That's, all, that's unique to this. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, wh- uh, what's your favorite Stanley dialogue? I did not pick one out um, ahead of time. Do you have one? It, yeah, but I can't remember where it is. Do you remember? Do you remember the part where he's like, "It's like such a it's a joke about uh, Dewey versus Truman." Yeah. Um, he's making fun right. of somebody for not letting something go or living in the past. And he's like, where do you have your I voted for Dewey pin or something like that? It's after beating somebody up, right? Uh, yeah. It's just, such, it's just, yeah, it's, it's Craven. It's page 20 of the main story. Okay. Um, it's as he's running away from Craven, he goes, you'll, you'll oh, yeah. you never give up, do you? I'll bet you're still wearing a vote for Dewey button. So Dewey Beats Truman was a 1952 news story. You know, this is the famous story where, like, they were running against each other for president, and it looked like Dewey was going to win, and it was really close. But then Truman ended up winning the presidency. But one of the – I think one of the Chicago newspapers printed the headline, Dewey Defeats Truman, because they were going to press, and they didn't have time to wait for the final vote, so they just made an assumption. Yeah. And so I guess – they're making he's making fun of someone who is still hoping for Dewey to win, but this is twelve years later, and it's a kids comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stanley's so, references are terrible. I kind of love it though. I, I like the audacity, so that's gonna be my that's my favorite Stanley dialogue. Yeah, if I had to pick one, it would probably be one of Doc Ock's uh, flirtation lines. <laughs> um, you know, something like "Sorry, I've been such a poor host, neglecting you, charming ladies, this way." I had to pick a second one. It's definitely Aunt May saying, I'm afraid I don't understand any of this. <laughs> that is a very <laughs> funny line. Um, uh, how about a low light? Uh, my low light is probably all the cameos. <laughs> uh, That's pretty fair. Just like everybody walking by him and then immediately a caption box saying, read them in this comic. It's just very jarring. It's so, it's so cheap. Yeah, um, I, my low light's going to be the villains just <laughs> saying to each other, "We couldn't defeat him alone, so now let's each fight him alone." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though it led to a fun thing visually, that'll yeah, be my, that'll I be mean, my, my low backup light. would have been the rope, but uh, <laughs> but I also just like it was a fun visual fight, so I, I'm, I'm going to give it. I'm going to let it off. Yeah, we'll let it. We'll 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 let you go, Stan, Steve. So, um, what's our next segment? Uh, we could do uh, reader mail. 
Yo, season reader, we've gotten a lot now. So uh, we've, we've had a couple a of, I don't know what it is. You guys, you, you guys are catching on to the podcast. Maybe it's because we had Scott Ackerman on or, or just words getting out, but we're starting to get more and more mail, which we love. So we actually yeah. can't go through all of it right now, but we're going to yeah. just pick a couple. Let's just do one or two. Remember, you can always email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at ScrewItSpidey, and we also have an Instagram account, ScrewItSpidey, which I promise you will love. Kevin is putting up some choice stuff. Yeah, I'm a little behind on it this week, but, uh, uh, you know, I'll get back to it. Um, so I'm going to read you two emails. Okay. These are quickies because we're already long into this podcast, and I'll save some of the other ones for later on. Uh, but this person asks, uh, so they talk about reading him in the Marvel UK series. I love the title of this called The Exploits of Spider-Man. Ooh, <laughs> great. Uh, this came out in the early 90s. It included reprints as well as more recent stories from Spider-Man. Um, and he asks, uh, when you first read these as kids, so when we read these mm-hmm. when we had the digests. Yeah. Did these issues seem corny or old fashioned to you? They never mm. did to me. Rereading them, I still find them, I still see, they still seem pretty sophisticated and self aware, but it's weird that they were 30 years old by the time I read them and I was yeah. totally on board. That's, that's a great question. What, what's your answer yeah. to that? So, I mean, I, I think it's a two part question, even though he's asking his one part. It's like, did we find them corny or old fashioned then? And what do we think now? Yeah. Uh, I didn't as a kid. Maybe I didn't know better, um, but it, they felt cool. Yeah. Um, I also did not, he, he, I had the same experience this, that this letter writer had, which is, um, I mean, every now and then there'd be a reference that I knew was old, but I just saw it as cool. I think maybe the art was so good that it just didn't seem dated to me. I mean, I would read old comics as a kid, you know, like reprints of some like old Superman or Batman stuff from the fifties and they did look old, but s- somehow the Spider-Man stuff looked fresh to me, um, I don't know if it's because Ditko's style made it look modern or if just, yeah. you know, a good story is a good story and you don't worry about when it came out. Uh, what do you think about them now? Well, when I'm reading them now, they do, they do seem dated. It's just that comics have become, I've read so many more comics that are more sophisticated. Like, you know, Stanley, he, he'll rush to the fun in and, and have a kind of a dumb plot device. Like, I don't think a modern Spider-Man comic would have Green Goblin put together a movie deal and offer it to Spidey and Spidey just go for it with no comment of how weird that is. So yeah, st- stuff like too. that really stands out to me. And also the lack of female characters is something that stands out a lot. And mm. um, uh, it's just like watching an old movie. Like it could be a good movie, but you can, the pace of it is off. Uh, yes, it, they, do. they do seem old to me now. I still love them, but I can tell that they're old. I really feel like they should feel older. They don't feel as overwritten as I think they actually are. Um, yeah. Like if a, current comic writer wrote this way he would feel like ah oh, so much dialogue so many captions yeah but it doesn't doesn't feel that way to me something about the 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 frantic pace of how quickly stuff happens feels right for these stories yeah um and maybe that's just me knowing they're old but it, it that part works for me way more than i think it should yeah some of the self promotion bothers me of course right. as well as all the stuff you said um yeah a good good question great oh and that was from uh uh, who was that from? Uh, Paul Fung. So I guess, and he guess from England. Ooh, great. Uh, because listen to, my be- listen to my Beatles podcast. He said he doesn't like the Beatles. Okay. He, he mentioned uh, that he went out of his way to mention <laughs> it. No, he did not. Uh, I mean, he doesn't live in England. He lived in England. So that's, who knows where he lives now. Uh, okay. One more. This is from Benjamin Suarto. Suarato. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> 
first of all, he compliments how many segments we do. And I'm saying <laughs> most of the emails are now very complimentary of how many segments. Some demand more segments. <laughs> I like that challenge. Um, he talks about buying the Great Power uh, collection that that I recommended, the yeah. Epic collections, yes. which are great. Uh, and I'm glad people are buying those because I think they're really good. I'm glad they exist. So you're welcome, Marvel, for all the money we're giving you. <laughs> Uh, he asks if you've read Michael Chabon's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have? Well, I have I have an interesting answer to that, which is I read half of it and had to stop. Oh, why? Well, I had a, it's a really dumb reason that I stopped. Sometimes you get through a book and like you'll either get bored and you'll stop or on rare occasions there'll be something very disturbing and you're like, you know what? I don't want to experience this. That, that'll that be very rare, you know, like a particularly disturbing, I don't know, horror novel or something, you know. But I stopped Cavalier and Clay because, you know, it's about two comic book creators, a writer and an artist. Sure, yeah. Sort of like analogous to the creators of Superman-ish, very loosely. Yeah. And um, did you read it, Kevin? Yes, I did. Uh, it's it's one of my wife's favorite books. Um, what did you think of it? I liked it. I think I to me, because it was like based on comic book creators, it felt like it was treading on stuff I already knew, mm-hmm. that part of it. So I wasn't as interested by the comic book parts of it. Yeah, that's kind of old. Um, a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, the other stuff was good, but I didn't think it was as well written. But uh, uh, I did think it was good. And I felt like maybe it, it's so well lauded, I maybe came into it with too high too expectations. High. Sure. I, I found yeah. it a really readable book and I was tearing through it and I enjoyed it. This is the dumbest thing. When it gets to the part where it reveals how much money their publishers were making and how little money they were making comparatively, I had to put the book down. Yeah, you felt too bad. I felt, for, you, you didn't feel bad for like the, for the life uh, tragedies. persecution. Yeah, for the persecution, yeah. I was like, I'm in favor of it. No, I didn't feel that way. But like, yeah, for weirdly- when the, Stan, when the Stan Lee character had to uh, get married to the love uh, uh, or- Wait, wait, well, how did that work out? I stopped reading, so I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean- well, what, what are them okay, gay, well, right? And, but he's closeted? Yes, that's right. Uh, um, it's, 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 and I, think- I, I totally missed the main thrust of the novel. Cause it was like, there's just a chat. It's an off, it's not even that big a deal. It's kind of just a fact of life. The publishers got super rich off the escape yeah. and the creators get, they get well paid, but they don't get like wealthy off of it. And I was like, that is so unfair. And I stopped reading. It's totally <laughs> dumb. I did enjoy the beginning when they kind of came up with the character, when they first started making it big and making other characters and sort of expanding the line. Is very fun. Yep, I read. All, I read through all that. That was fun. Um, yeah, you didn't get into like the war stuff or nope, anything like I, that. Nope. I, I just I was like, I can't live with this. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot going on in there. Stanley makes a cameo as Benjamin points oh, yeah, out to cool. us. Cool. Um, anyway, it's it's a great book. I think I'm slightly too hard on it. Uh, everyone, I most people I know who've read it love it. It's ranks as a lot of people's number yeah, one it's, book. So, it's, and especially I think people who like yeah. comic books, it's a great other way to look at it, especially looking at the idea of these creators. And there's more to it than yeah. that, of course. Um, uh, it's great. It's a great cop. It's a great book, rather. Um, good letters. Yeah. And we've got more letters to read for next time. I'm going to save them for a time when we have more time to okay. talk about them. Um, oh, Benjamin also says we could have a segment called Best Punch, <laughs> which I think this issue we did pick. We could the Electro, the electro punch. Punch. You definitely could because there's so many good punches in a Spider-Man issue. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll do that one time. But I feel like a lot of our favorite panels often are punch panels. Yeah, we, we might cover the really good punches just in our highlights. But it, yeah, I mean, the the time he punched Mysterio is probably the best punch oh, yeah, we've seen. That. Oof, that was a good one. Um, which is on our Instagram somewhere. 
It's a good two-panel punch. Uh, there's someone where he leaps forward into Dr. Octopus and, and like crushes him with a blow, and I love that one too. Yeah, and the first time he punches Doc Ock when he like has to like take all the hits and gets up close and sort of punches him, that's a yeah, pretty great yeah. one. Uh, anyway, Spider-Man's good yep. at punching. Um, but I think that's all we got, Will. That's our segments. Um, yes. Uh, well, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. So we decided next week we're going to do a special episode about the movies, right? We're going to take a break from the comics and do one on the movies. That's right. Uh, so we're going to talk about sort of all the movies sort of uh, in a, like a macro sense and talk about like what we want to see in the movies and what we like about the movies or don't like about the movies that have yeah. already been made. Uh, we recorded it uh, a few ago, weeks ago, so we don't talk about the the Infinity trailer that we talked about in this podcast, but... Um, cover everything else. When it, It'll be released, I guess, just before Avengers Infinity, so we won't talk about that at all. Yeah, we'll have to cover that in a segment of a future episode. That's right. Um all right. Well, thanks, Kevin. Great episode. Yeah. Thank you, Will. You did a really good job. <laughs> all right. See you all next episode, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Campfire. <laughs>